to host for the evening, uh, Mr. Peter J. How are you going, Peter? Hi, mate. How are you, Fane? And uh, thanks very much for your technical support. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, we know that you're not actually uh, on the show tonight, but for the background work. And uh, good evening and welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Live edition of the Big Footy Crowcast. Great to have you with us. Don't forget to, to join the uh, the conversation. Can I be a wanker and say join the conversation? Should I say we're live and interactive? All of those things. And get onto Spreaker and send us your messages and we'll have a chat about anything you want to have a chat about. All right, uh, tonight I'm joined by uh, some, along with our normal regulars, um, I'm joined by the royalty this evening. We've got uh, Macca23 and the big fella himself, the chief moderator of the Adelaide board, are joining us this evening. And I'll just run through our normal um, uh, panellists, uh, Dan Oz and Nikki New. Great to have you with us tonight. Um, I think given that we've got uh, a whole a cast of thousands, we'll just, I'll just whiz through and tell everybody who we've got rather than everybody chip in. Of course, joining us from uh, the other side of the world, uh, from Cleveland himself, is American Crow. Well, Great, thanks, Pete. That's great, American Crow board. Uh, we really, really enjoyed you back. Oh, uh, good to have you with us, mate. All right, um, just uh, everyone do their best with chipping in, and um, I think we'll kick off tonight's show with uh, having a little bit of a chat about the Western Bulldogs game. I think we've probably overdone a bit with the the whole umpiring thing, but everyone, uh, I guess, here's a chance. Yeah, that's right. All right, Peter, you're on. I'm very happy that I haven't seen the game and I don't plan on seeing the game. I think I woke up most of my neighbourhood with my yelling at the TV. I actually spent the game at the Ramsgate. Couldn't find Josh Carraf up there. And uh, if you think back to round one, uh, I was pretty happy with our performance despite the result. And I'm the same again. Someone had to lose. Uh, just my thoughts on it. I thought that uh, we really were very uh, lucky to be where we were in the game. and. Hello, and uh, I think because uh, we got thrashed in the midfield, the ball was dominated down in their half, and uh, we were very, very efficient up in their forward lines, and that kept us in the game, but we really did have a midfield problem. Macca, uh, 23, always the voice of reason on the board, and certainly voice of reason here. I thought I might just get a little bit of a difference, as we like to do from American Crow, if you're there, mate. Um, I sometimes feel like we have a bit obsessed with the officiating here and the umpiring, and we always seem to blame it when we lose. What's it like over there in your sport? Is, as, a, as, a, as a sporting public, are you obsessed with the umpiring and the officiating, and is, it, is there always all sorts of publicity about who barracks for what team and who's on the take? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you know, both our countries are passionate about sports, and there's no question that um, when you have games like we've seen the last, well, two of the last three weeks with Hawthorne and with the Western Bulldogs, the same sort of things would be said here. I mean, anytime there's questionable officiating, you know, a passionate fan base is going to get upset about it. But I think uh, the points that were raised about some of the other issues that we had uh, stand true. So, so yes, officiating, it, you know, it, it, it dictates the pace and flow of a game, but in the end you still have to execute. Hey, Maka, after, after we lose, I can't handle uh, reading the boards, so I don't know what's been discussed already, but um, my impression uh, of the um, 
umpiring was that we uh, and I've completely lost my point. Move on. Sorry. <laughs> well done, Daniels. Well, is there, was there a question there to answer? Uh, <laughs> no. Not in the end. Sorry. Looking for the three votes tonight, Danos. Uh, really good way to start, mate. I'm winning already. <laughs> Move back to Canberra. It's the time difference. It'll catch up to you in about half an hour, Danos. <laughs> yep, I remember. <laughs> Danos, just remember, done. mate, you're the stats man. You probably needed to leave with 17 and 1. Maka, we always love reading your posts on the board. Let, um, given that you know, you're here tonight as a, as a special guest, um, be great to hear um, your thoughts on our season. So, not just the Bulls game, but just your thoughts on our season so far. Uh, well, I've actually been very pleased with our, our season so far because at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, with the Dangerfield situation and with him going, and that's that's taking a very, very good player out of your midfield. And uh, we are actually suffering from that situation of danger going. But having said that, it's, it has made a lot of the other players stand up and uh, be more accountable for their role in, in the game. And the, the one thing, though, I have to stress again is that we are lacking a midfielder that can, with a lot of pace, that can burst through that midfield. Because in, in the way the footy's played these days, you win the midfield, you win the game. And at the moment, we are surviving on, on uh, uh, only a very few positions going forward. And uh, still, we've won a lot of games and we've lost a lot of close games. But, um, yeah, we, we really have to... Um, well, I, I think we're probably going to end up being about a, a sixth, seventh or eighth team unless Brad Crouch can really stand up and eventually, by the end of the season, take that role that Dangerfield was fulfilling. Gee, he was pretty terrible on, on Saturday night, wasn't he? Well, we actually went a minus by including him because... Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I'm I'm always a little bit unkind to Lions, and I always refer to him as a vanilla type player. But as a vanilla type player, he has been playing a very very good vanilla type game, and uh, he's been getting a lot of possessions, and he also kicks a couple of goals here and there as well. And I've been very very happy with his form. And we actually dropped a player who was in form, and we put in a bloke who really didn't do very much at all. It's a great point, Macker, and it's something that was really uh, annoyed me a little bit as well. I, I didn't like seeing Jared go out. I, I thought he he played very, very well. Um, and it, if you actually looked at <clears throat> um, statistically his game time, he actually had less game time than a lot of other uh, of our midfield. And I'm not sure whether that's just that they were trying to um, didn't have the confidence in him or, or what it was. But for the amount of time he actually had uh, on the ground, his output was really, really very good. And um, I, I was very, very disappointed to see him go. And, and, and like you, was just as disappointed in what uh, Brad Crouch served up on the weekend. He had, Brad Crouch only had 63% time on ground. So he wasn't even fit enough for him to play a full game. And, and that was actually, it was around about, that's what Jared was getting, it's sort of around about middle 60% in terms of time on ground. But he was, he was able to have an influence with a few clearances. He was getting up, you know, the 17, 18 possession mark and a couple of goals. So that, that was a disappointing thing. And I, I certainly agree with Macker on that in that respect. Yeah, However, the week less for us, David McKay, and he was a bit injured from memory. Yeah, he didn't play the last quarter, and I was going to ask that question before, whether him missing the last quarter, how much of a, a role that played in us not being able to keep up with the run of the Bulldogs? Well, it's, it's up to me to speak. Um, I, I think that personally it made a big difference because they had a lot of run going forward, and we were really just trying to just plug the ball back but not running it back. Yeah, I completely agree. 
And if I could jump in on, on some of the midfield play, it seems to me, and maybe it's just me not having actually played the game, but I'll ask you guys. It seems to me sometimes uh, the center, when the ball goes up, that he mistimes the tap. If you watch how he jumps, it seems to me that he just either doesn't um, time his, his jump, and I think that's affecting some of this because if you watch, He'll jump before the ball is anywhere close to being able to be tapped or controlled by him. And I think that's – he gets these stretches where that happens, at least from what I can tell. And I'm wondering if that also is affecting getting the ball out and getting some of the – you know, control some of the clearances. I wonder what you guys thought. I've noticed that too, uh, American Crow. And I've uh, tended to notice that when he's coming up against a ruck – who is uh, who has beaten him in the past, or he's having uh, a bad night against a certain ruckman, and he tends to jump early at them. It's almost uh, I see exactly. it almost as a defensive action, so that they can't get firsthand to the ball. Exactly, and I think that that you know there was a stretch there against the Bulldogs where he was killing us with his mistimed jumps, and he's done that before. So I was curious to see what your guys' thoughts were. A source has always been in that kind of ruckman. He's, he's never been someone to jump over someone all night. He's always relied a bit more on his ability to use his body to nullify the other ruckman and then go either hand with his work. Um, having played a bit of ruck myself and not being a guy who gets off the ground much, the ability to time your jump and take the other guy's jump away can be a very important part. I think he's a bit out of form at the moment. I think if you go back and look at some games where he's dominated, you won't notice much different in the way he rucks in terms of jumping over someone or anything like that. Well, and I mean, I'm, sorry, I was going to say that that's a very fair point too because um, at the moment I reckon Sauce is getting so... Uh, he's barely getting off the... He's, He's barely getting off the ground. He'd barely squash a caterpillar, you know, when he lands because he's hardly leaving it. Um, but he is jumping into the other ruckman, and, he's, and as American Crow said, he's doing it early. And ironically, exactly. at, the, at the end of the game, uh, he gave away a free kick in the last couple of minutes because he didn't jump early and stood there and was given a free kick not looking at the ball. Yeah, I reckon he's had a, had a great season so far this year, Source. Um, and, you know, he's not Robinson Crusoe there in terms of our midfield. You think that um, – I think Matt Crouch was the only person that got um, over 20 possessions, you know, who, who was a genuine midfielder, and I reckon he had eight of those in the first five minutes. Um, so after that, it was uh, it was incredibly poor performance from our midfield. I mean, they were just – seriously had their, their pants pulled down. I think I posted through the week that – be more than happy to see any one of them go this week, uh, just as a message that it was just such a totally unacceptable effort. Oh, we lost Pete. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying that we lost him halfway through a sentence. Oh, and I was on my soapbox too. So I, I think I think the sheer fact of the matter is we were second of the footy too often, and uh, if we change that, I think the result goes a lot closer to us winning the game. I think when we and- when we had the ball, we still scored fairly freely. I think we just didn't have enough of the footy and it's just we just need to get our hands on it more. And we also we have some hands in danger in that regard of not having a, a ready replacement because Brad, Brad Crouch is still not fit. And uh, we also turned the ball over far too often in the first half. That's a very good point. I just, and I was going to mention a bit uh, earlier about Talia. I think we just uh, lost it there again, Macca. Uh, sorry, can you hear me now? Yep. Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Now. 
Uh, yeah, it's well, just uh, me, is it? Yeah, it's you, cut it down. We're hearing everyone, it's just you, mate. Sorry. Yeah, so what I was saying about Talia, he's really got to do a little bit of kicking practice because he uh, he did about two or three really horrible kicks from the back line that ended up in goals. And, and you know, um, these days, the way the footy's played, you have to out-hit a man, and, and his kicking has been terrible. Yeah, overall, it was a pretty ordinary performance uh, by the side, and uh, uh, really to get within 15 points uh, was a, a pretty good effort in the end. Um, just... Moving along to a little bit of news that seems to be just surfacing at the moment and perhaps uh, once again those reasonable people such as Nikki and Macca might be able to uh, pour some water on this but a bit of news filtering through that uh, Josh Jenkins has put contract talks on hold and of course uh, that is the death knell for any Adelaide supporter because uh, the assumption is of course is that like uh, so many other quality players they will walk out on the club so uh, how does everybody see the Jenkins situation? Perhaps uh, Nicky can kick us off. Um, as far as I'm aware, he's looking at buying a second house in the Brighton area. So... <laughs> you know that's that's a going to live in Nicky yes, in I do. No, it doesn't. But um, the person who let me know that information, who um, is fairly close, we'll just leave it... Um, he, he is very happy here and from what he said and the way he's instigated, I think he is very happy. The others are throwing a lot more money at him, but Melbourne's never appealed to him. He's very much country boy. So I can't really see it happening. Well, Nikki, I hope you're right. And I think you may well be right. Um, he has publicly stated that he is happy in Adelaide and he'd be happy to serve his time out in Adelaide as, as long as they can you know, come to a mutually acceptable uh, situation. And uh, I just want to raise one point here. Justin Reid, this is a big test for Justin Reid because uh, Jenkins was happy to, to sign a contract some time back for four years at 450 k per year. And um, we didn't. We were offering two in exchange. And look, that guy has to be signed, at, whether it's for three years, four years, or whatever. And, he, and they're going to pay a hell of a lot more money for him now. So he, I think he will stay, but it's going to cost us a lot of money. Absolutely, Macker. I think you're spot on. I think he wants to stay. He wants to be here. The club just has not come to him in terms that that, that he wants to sign up to right now. And I think we're going to have to own that and and uh, pony up. We know that uh, Connors is his manager, and, and do, do, is it is it possible that uh, Connors is watching the footy on Saturday night and uh, he sees Josh kick eight goals and uh, thinks right, gets on the blast straight away and says, "Mate, this is exactly the time you put contract talks on hold when you just kicked eight." Can't argue with that. No, of course not. But the thing is, for me, with Josh, is that he took the number four. He was very strong about why he took that. He also does want a career in the media. He's already writing for ESPN. He's got a few other things um, in talks about that. A lot of that has to do as well, you kind of look to the future. With being a one-club player in the media, that's actually quite a strong thing to promote yourself in terms of a brand. So I can see that's where he's kind of positioning himself. I always thought with when I heard about the two years versus the four, the four will take him to 32, which is well over what we have in terms of a club as a standard because when you're over 30, it's a one-year contract. I've always thought that 
what's going to happen is he'll get three years with a trigger for a fourth year. And I think that's probably where Connors would be happy with and probably Josh would be happy with. I think it's the fact that you've got Essen and Circle and Frio because they've lost some others. So they've got a whole stack of money and they're going to throw things around. But I think Josh does want success as well. I don't think he'd go back to Essendon, would he? What was that? I don't think he would go back to Essendon. I I think it's on us. I I think he wants to stay. All those things we're saying about him staying for why he wants to stay is correct, Nicky. I just think as a club, we've got to be the one that probably comes up to the mark at the moment. That fourth year will also take him into his 30s. Yeah, I mean, the fact is, this is a lot. This is this is his life. This is his life contract. I mean, this is this is the one contract in his whole career because he would have been on, you know, not great money <clears throat> early on. He came over, um, uh, traded as a, as a rookie onto our main list. He's, um, uh, you know, been developing. He's had a couple of good years. Um, his contract's up, and this this is the one where he has established himself as a best 22 player, as probably, you know, a top 10, you know, leading goal kicker. Lee Matthews is on the radio saying that he's the best second forward combo in the league. So he's got all those things going. And this, for Josh Jenkins, this will happen only once in his life, given very, his age. Very good so point. This, this, is, this is his big life contract. So I guess, you know, you can see that uh, uh, he's going to probably consider all offers. Uh, he's going to have to do uh, whatever sets him up now for the rest of his life. But yeah, at the same time, at the same time, it's incumbent upon our club not to get tied up in a long-term deal with a guy that's going to be in his 30s. So balancing act, and it probably shouldn't be too surprising that the two sides are taking a step back at the moment. Well, yeah, you know, I'm not so sure about that because at the moment, it used to be a situation that players got to age 30, and that was almost like the cut-off point of their career. But if you have a look at the there's a, there's a heap of veterans running around at the moment in their 33s, 34, 35s, and playing extremely good football. And Josh is only a, a he's a young footballer. He's not somebody who's been bashed and belted around for umpteen years. He's only been playing football for a short time. So, from my point of view, I wouldn't hesitate to hind sign him up for the four years. I think I think the crash and bash comments very valid, Macker. And it's even in in the way he plays. He's he's also played less footy, I guess, as you said. But he's also the way he plays footy. He's not sitting under the ball and getting smashed from pillar to post like a lot of key position forwards would have been over the years. Um, I reckon he, I reckon we could easily give us four years, no problem. Although he did take a few very nice un- uh, contested marks on Saturday against some short defenders. That's okay. And Nicky, yeah, on but my if you get mantle. one, you get one. <laughs> I just get a sense, guys. I mean, I, I just get a bit of a sense, and like, like I said earlier, I, I, I was happy with our with our most of our game on Saturday. We should enough win enough of the footy, and that may be a problem without another top line mid at full fitness. But I, I still think we played a good game. We got we got within three goals of a side that's that's pretty much flying. Um, the only sides we've lost to are, are arguably top four sides. We need to find a way to start winning those games, but they've been away. I, I, I just think you know we. There's too much negativity, basically. Even listen to Phoenix talk to himself on Sunday night. It was just all, all negative, all bad oh, this, all bad that. And, you know, thanks, guys, for letting me in the bloody loop Sunday night. You weren't talking, mate. Sorry. So, so I, I think I think we need to move on a bit and start thinking a bit more positive. I think I think there's tweaks and obviously we need to be more footy at the contest to beat sides at the Western Bulldogs. But I, I think there's a lot to love about the way we're playing footy at the moment. Well, and, and, uh, to... um, I, 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 sorry, go. Just to jump on there, I think we all would have signed up for four and three back in January. So that that's a good point. Can't 
And also, I think that when you look at the... I always think that when you look at the fixture at the start of the year and you see uh, these three games, when you see Western Bulldogs at Etihad, when you see uh, West Coast Eagles at uh, Subiaco, and when you see Geelong at um, uh, wherever the hell they play, you know, um, cutting your park, whatever it's called now, um, when you see those three games, you just rule a line through those, they are losses, and you just move on and don't worry about it. See, for me, because I haven't seen the game, but reading a lot of the board, talking to my parents who have seen the game, we didn't play well, as like Macca and, and you other guys actually said. But the fact that we only lost by 15 points, having so many less inside 50s, to me, I'm looking at as an incredible positive. This is a, you know, we're playing the doggies on our home deck that, as Pete said, normally you put it down as a loss. We pushed them and we nearly blo- we nearly bloody won it. So things are going right. Yes, we've still got to work on stuff, but it's moving in the right direction. Yeah, look, can't argue with that, Nikki. And um, you know, I, and I said that you know, like at worst, I think we'd be sixth, seventh, or eighth. But we want a little bit more than that. And if you look at the inside fifty, it was thirty-seven inside fifties to us, and it was sixty-nine to them. And that's a fair reflection of losing the midfield again. So. It, well, that's, and I think really, um, to, and as you said, uh, all of our losses have been against good sides and mostly away. And also, there's also been the question of umpiring. But uh, leaving all that aside, if Brad Crouch can step up and become a very good uh, hitting, uh, midfield, then I think we can go a lot further. But it depends a lot on that. All right. Okay, guys, we've somehow done a U-turn there and got back onto the onto the, onto the Bullies game. We'll just. Move forward a bit. One of the, one of the uh, very um, uh, one of the great things tonight is we have a special guest, um, <clears throat> Maka Twenty Three, who we don't normally have on the show. And Maka, just wondering if we could uh, take a few minutes to have a chat to you and to uh, perhaps get uh, to know you a little bit better, and, and if you're able to disclose whatever you're, you're happy to in in terms of uh, you know how you uh, came about uh, signing up for for Big Footy and, and you know your and how you came to the Adelaide Crows, and just generally um, a little bit of background would be great. Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. Um, well, look, you know, I, I played footy as a young bloke. I played for West Torrens as a young bloke and I had a league career coming up, but I chose to do studies instead. And uh, that's been very kind to me and um, paid me a lot of money and enabled me to retire early and, you know, look after myself. Um, so, you know, I would advise any, anybody that's listening, make sure you complete your studies because it's very important. But uh, coming back to footy again... Um, Somebody once said to me that there's this uh, show on, uh, or there's this uh, on the internet. There's this uh, place to go to where you can talk about footy, and I love talking about footy. And uh, turned out to be Big Footy Adelaide. At that stage, it wasn't a very big thing, but um, there was Stiffy eighteen came along, and there was a few others came along, and, and it, you know it was somewhere to go to just to have a chat and just to talk about things and um, and to talk about the game, and you know we could. Uh, act like we were experts and make forecasts for the future and say who we should draft next year, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, it, you know, it's uh, it, it's at the moment I don't post as much anywhere near as much as I used to. I read, but there's so many people on there now and then some, some very good posters on there too. And... Uh, sorry. Um, no, doing good. Doing good. Um, and so uh, I've 
I really don't post as much as I used to. I read a lot. Uh, now and again, something gets under my skin, so I post. Um, I nearly posted with about the umpiring about the bulldogs because you know you'd have to be you'd have to be silly not to think that it wasn't it wasn't normal. I don't mean I'm not talking about cheating, but I'm just talking about Victorian umpire in front of Victorian crowd with the Victorian team. I, I think they get all bit carried away. Um, and so, Maka, do, do you get to games um, still, or is that uh, have you always been um, uh, just a, a watcher on the telly, or do you, do you get along very much? Well, we, we go we go to games, and I've got my own seat, and um, we go along with the wife, and she she sits there uh, very quietly, and I just abuse everybody and scream and yell, just like everybody else <laughs> does. And uh, I really, I love it, I love it, and then I also. I've got Foxtel and um, I record games, I watch games, I love watching every game. I, I don't care who's playing, I watch. And, uh, you know, and it, I, footy is, I've got family and footy, and I suppose that's my life, really. So will you be booing on Friday night, Macca? Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, not all night because it gets a bit boring after a while. But, I mean, uh, it was good fun giving Tip at the rounds of the kitchen early. And I must admit, having given him a couple of booze, well, that sort of done it for me and uh, moved on, you know. And really, he's he's gone. He's been gone a long time. Um, and Dangerfield, well, he's gone. He's And look, he, he gave us good service with his year. I think he gave us a year short because we let, allowed him one in Melbourne. But... Um, yeah, look, oh, he'll, he'll get he'll get big booze, but I'll get tired of it eventually. Especially if we're well in front. Well, I hope that's the case, Dicky. But um, it's going to be a very hard game and a good game. And uh, uh, if we play to our best footy, uh, it, I believe we can win the game. But again, it comes it's going to be the midfield at least get it breaking even. All right. Um, th- thanks for those words, Maka. Uh, just uh, great to hear a bit of background and uh, understand you're going to be joining us uh, from time to time throughout the year. So it will certainly be good to have your valuable, valuable insights and contributions to the to the Crowcast. All right, um, uh, Nikki, I might just uh, throw to you. I think that uh, we've reached a very, very important part of the program, and it's that uh, that time where we look at the uh, the weekly nominations for the uh, the Crowcast Cockwomble of the week. Cockwombling numnut. All right, Pete. Well, it was kind of seeming to be very obvious that there was only going to be one thing, but there's been a few that have made a very late charge. So the one nomination obviously was Troy Pennell. That seemed very obvious. But the late charges I think have come from the AFL umpiring department and the AFL for enabling that situation, Troy Pennell, to occur. And so I was hedging towards that. But then Luke Beveridge decided to have a sook this afternoon and conveniently forget that if he's going to call questioning an umpire's decision as disgusting and alluding to the Crows doing so, he needs to look back to what he did last year when he actually did question an umpire's decision and had a please explain from AFL Victoria because he went very public in the media about Will Minson being sent off because in a bit of a push and shove and a melee, Minson decided to also shove the umpire. 
which didn't surprise anyone who's ever watched Minson play football before. So it's actually a little bit tight going on there. So I was initially thinking the AFL umpiring department, particularly with the, the Hayden Kennedy and Mark Evans have done themselves absolutely no favours. But I'm kind of hedging towards Beveridge because I really don't like him. What do you guys think? Well, Nikki, if you can just jump in there, I was actually, I thought you were going to definitely nominate Pernell. Uh, so I'd actually uh, was going to suggest adding on another one, the drama queen of the week, and it was, that was going to be Luke Beveridge because we said it's true, but the same guy, he actually went after an AFL inquiry for two brothers having a chat. So, I yeah. Mean, this guy is a wanker of the highest order, so... Yeah. <laughs> I was going to go that <laughs> no, but... Uh... So, so, <laughs> give him so all the awards. What a wanker. Yeah, yeah, no, wanker of the week, drama queen of the week, and you can give him this collie wobble, whatever it's called. <laughs> cock a cock-wobbling number is for Luke Beveridge, for being Luke Beveridge, <laughs> basically. He's the most punchable face in football at the moment, I reckon. Well, I, if, uh, if it, I said it, on the board earlier that... I turned off of him in the week leading up to the final last year because he started whinging about it not being played at Eddie Had. And my immediate thought was, why don't you want to play on the MCG where the grand final is played? You haven't played there. You need to test your game plan. But no, he wanted to play it at Eddie Had. And then, of course, what happens afterwards, again, goes after the Talia brothers, who, are, of course, um, part of Western Bulldogs, the family because their grandfather played in their only premiership let's piss that family off um and still keep whinging about it so much so that i'd heard that after the north melbourne game when he went into the debrief immediately he told the players to stop thinking about that game it's over they have to start preparing for their most important game of the year next week um, American, well, in- American, Crow, American Crow, have you been getting much of this over there? And uh, do, you, do you have a view on uh, on Luke Beveridge and uh, and his cockwomble worthiness? Yes, I, I sure do. I, I'll tell you what, that guy spends more time on personal investigations and working uh, to complain about other teams. If, if he spent half as much time as he spent on those, the, the Western Bull would be top of the table. I mean, that guy, he's, he's unbelievable. Big fella, how are you saying it? Uh, I was going to go with, uh, I think I dropped in a word before that makes this explicit, but we didn't, uh, you might have missed it. So uh, Luke Beveridge is the cop one of the week for me, mate. Most punchable face in football at the moment. Can we hear American Crows say cock wumbling numbnut, please? If I say it, this show will get triple X rating, will it not? No, it's, it's already marked as explicit. explicit, mate. Go your hardest. <laughs> I want to hear it in an American accent. All right, sure. Here you go. Cockwombling numbnut. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> right, so we need to just clip that little sound <laughs> and use that when we tweet it at people. Love it. So I think I think from this that Beveridge has hit the late run down the outside and taken the lead. He bolted he is, in. He bolted in from three o'clock this afternoon. So. Off I think we went. actually get to have um, Luke Beveridge on the show <laughs> as a guest. I can, I can then get, I can then get myself uh, sorted out to introduce him as uh, 
And uh, on with us this evening is the uh, the uh, the most punchable face in football. He's a wanker of the highest <laughs> order. He is the cock-bombling numbnut of the week. Of course, I speak of none other than Luke Beveridge. <laughs> the winner. Somebody, the winner. Don't, don't send this to the Western Bulldogs. Okay, well, I think we have a fairly clear winner there. Yeah. But very, very honourable mention to the AFL umpiring department for um, what's happened. But I think I have to give kudos to the media because they have put a highlight on this. True, they haven't put the highlight correctly where it should have been in terms of the free kicks weren't paid, but it is, it's made a lot of noise. It's been on all, pretty much all of the football shows except for footy classified but um and so i think there's going to be a lot of attention paid so hopefully we're going to get some improved umpiring out of this fingers what, crossed you're dreaming nikki i know i'm dreaming one, one you're but... dreaming two two guys I, I really think we need to be careful we don't um we don't start a meme that's kind of like free kick whinge adelaide well, see, the interesting thing for me is that both of these instances, everybody's going, oh, yeah, Adelaide's complaining about it for the Hawthorne. But it's actually, if you go on the main board, it's a lot of the neutral supporters who have actually come and saying to Adelaide or to us as supporters or and they just keep talking about saying the umpiring was poor on behalf. So the fact that it's neutral supporters that are seeing it, that's Victorian media that have pushed this, they can try and call us whingers or whatever. It's, well, sorry. I don't know if anyone has. I'm, I'm just conscious of the fact we have been whinging about the football, uh, the umpiring a lot when, when we lose. Yeah, but we've had a hell of a lot to whinge about too. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think I agree with Bill in the sense that I think that our, um, our calls, particularly after the Bulldogs game, are a little bit diminished. Uh, when we're only two weeks um, from having complained about Hawthorne. So it does, you know, it does get to the point where, you know, we, we never seem to be able to just, as supporters, we, we never seem to just be able to accept responsibility for the fact that, we, you know, we just weren't good enough. But anyway, be that as it may, um, moving along, we've got a massive, massive game coming up in Adelaide on Friday night. Of course, it is the... Uh, big match against Geelong, and um, it's the return home of the uh, the prodigal son, of course, Paddy Dangerfield, mm-hmm. will be in town. He'll be uh, in his hotel room talking to the footy show on Thursday night, just being the very, very shy, retiring little Paddy that we uh, we know and love. Um, let's uh, perhaps get this, everybody's thoughts uh, on this game. Must Not win impressive. more footy at the coalface. Must win more footy at the coalface. Yeah, totally agree with that. The midfield's going to be the, the thing. They've got, they're not that good a team. I honestly don't believe they're that good a team, but they have got a good midfield. And that obviously means if they've got a good midfield, they'll get a lot of possession of the ball. And, uh, but having said that, if we can break even with them in the midfield, we will win the game. Well, and we, we definitely need Eddie to have a good game. He's got to step up and... You know, I, I know we've avoided him so far today, but Tex Walker, you know, either he's hurt or he's not. And if he's not hurt, then it's incumbent upon him to get his butt into this game right from the start. And I understand he's been doubled some games, and I understand that, you know, maybe he had matchups that weren't great for him. But it's time for him to step up because if he's hurt, you know, they need to say that and they need to get him out of there because you could make an argument that against the Bulldogs – 
his failure to really impact the game hurt us every bit as much as the umpiring. So now we got you long, and he's going to have to have a good game. It's time for him to step up. He's not he's far gone. away, though, because he actually he nearly clunked about eight marks. I mean, they were, and I thought a couple of me probably should have been paid, but he's, I reckon he, you are right, he's been, out of, he's been out of form, but he's a whisker away. Well, that's not good enough. It's time for him to step up, and, you know, to, this week would be a good week to do that. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I can't disagree with that. I think that um, he, there's, a, there's him and a few others that really need to put their hand up, and, and the one... Uh, the one player I think that the blowtorch needs to go on is, uh, is Brad Crouch. And I know that you mentioned him before, Maker. This kid, this kid he, uh, as far as I'm concerned, he owes this club. He, uh, he's had a lot of time off with injury. Um, and, um, you know, he's, uh, he's here and he's gone. He's here and he's gone. And there's a lot of, you know, he's, he's got a big reputation for a kid that hasn't done much. And, um, you know, there's a lot of hopes are on this kid. And, um it really, I think, uh, you know, he had a very, very quiet game. Now, I know that, you know, people will say, well, it was his first game back from injury. Well, you know, he, he's got a record of coming back in um, and playing fairly well immediately. And uh, even with managed game time, what he did on the weekend wasn't good enough. Um, and so he, you know, given the fact that we are uh, struggling in the midfield, he is the one that, as far as I'm concerned, the acid needs to go on and he needs to start repaying a bit of faith. That's not happened this week, Pete. I don't reckon he's anywhere near fit enough yet, Mark. Well, then he shouldn't be playing, big fella. If he's not I, 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 don't, don't, don't I, don't, I don't disagree with that at all, mate. I, I just think if you're expecting Brad Crash to come and have 25-plus touches and turn the game Friday, I'll, I'll be staggered if that happens. Text might start well, that's grabbing exactly those what I'm expect- That's what I'm expecting because I'll tell you what, the, the kid that he tipped out um, was, doing a, was doing a decent enough job. Mm-hmm. I support that comment because Lyons was doing a good job, and um, if he wants to hold his place in the side, Brad Crouch, and look, he will be, he will eventually. But in the short term, um, and I, I don't really even buy the fact that he's not totally fit because in the SAFL he's he got about thirty-one positions or whatever it was, and thirty-six, thirty-six. I think it was pretty good, and therefore he can find the ball. I think what he is struggling a little bit is with the pace. Then when the increase of pace of the game, the, and I, and I noticed that when he came back last time before he broke down again, he did he's he did have the same problem with the pace of the game. So uh, it may take him two or three, but I don't know whether whether you can get that in the SAFL. Maybe we just have to put up. The other thing I don't want to see the at the end of the game, Brad Crouch with two kicks and eighty two handballs. That's fair comment. See, Jared Lyons only been half the game the Santa fell on the weekend and ended up with 15 disposals, three tackles, two clearances, two inside 50s and the winning goal. His composure was so invaluable in that win over North Adelaide um, in horrible conditions. Why did he only play 50%? Uh, he uh, Well, because it's a short turnaround to Friday night. So he only played 50% and... And a lot of people are going to hate this. VB only played half the game as well. And we left Luke Loudon out there with a severe corky, which was, it was horrible trying to watch him run, but it did improve his kicking. So I think he needs to have a corky <laughs> more often. Um, well, he shot on goal. It was like the best kick I've actually seen Luke Loudon actually do. Um, <laughs> but I think we were doing that because there's a short turnaround to Friday. We knew McKay has done his hamstring. So, Lines and VB, to me, on that are the two that they're considering that could come in. 
Spot on. Well, and, and Miller, and Miller as well. He, he yeah, was Miller because he didn't play. He was pulled completely. So, so yeah. Miller is has got. A, I would say is is first in line. Another yes. one. Another one that I think is probably a, um, who needs to step up is uh, Talia. I want. I, I would love to be able to ask him whether he was affected negatively by all the booing that he got from the crowd. Fair comment because his kicking was atrocious, yeah. and he was and he was caught behind a couple of times when he normally is really really spot on. I mean, he really plays very very good football back there normally, but his kicking is still not quite what I would call AFL standard for a fullback. I think I think I he's, he's, he's a never, bit, uh, he's playing never. space a bit more. I don't, I don't think he. I think he's very comfortable playing on a man. I think we're playing a more team defense, and I might have read this somewhere today as well. But I think he he uh, he struggles a bit to play that role where he, he might have to leave his man and go somewhere else. And I think he's getting caught out a few times because he's used to staying at home. Great point. Great point. Yeah. See, I reckon we've got him on the defense easily. Um, to hold. I mean, they're forwards. Yes, they've got some tall ones, etc. But Hawkins, I'm sorry, he's he's a run of the mill. He's okay, but he's uh, he's very overrated, just because he's big. They conceded the second second least amount of points in the league, and and I I certainly started the season uh, not rating them particularly highly, and um, thinking that. Uh, uh, they probably were a bit overvalued just on the basis of their draw. They've they've had, um, uh, I guess they got Hawthorne early. Uh, they got beaten by um, DWS. Um, and um, I, I thought Saturday was a, a fair test for them because even though they were playing at home, they were playing the West Coast Eagles, who are you know uh, certainly a top four aspirant and uh, I thought should have been uh, much better than what they were on Saturday. And... Um, I watched that game in full, and, and and you had to be impressed by Geelong. They um, they they played very very well, and that they really um, they they tore West Coast apart. Um, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't care you know who you are, if 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 you can or where you're playing, if you can tear West Coast apart like that, you're a decent football team. And they'll be very very stiff opposition on Friday night. I don't I don't doubt that for a moment. Peter, where was it played? Yeah, I know, and I just said I, I you know when you're playing a top four aspirant like that. Um, you know, a team yeah, like West Coast, they, even, even though you're playing at your home ground, they're um, not a top four team this year. It's that's like it's like not valuing our our win over Sydney. No, Sydney, you know, because Sydney we're playing it at home. Well, I wouldn't. I, I'd, I'd be. I, I'd argue that you couldn't. You certainly couldn't write West Coast off as being a top four team this year at all. I mean, they, they will. They will give top four no, a, a really good push. Don't agree. Don't, no, no, no. Don't agree with Peter. The way they're playing. They are a very, very different team to last year. Everybody six, has worked out how they. The yeah, everybody Dog. has worked out how they played, and it hasn't been adjusted. We'll see how that goes at the end of the year. I think that they'll be in it when the dogs are barking, and they'll uh, they'll be around top four. But my point being that I think that you can't, you certainly can't dismiss Geelong's win against Monsanto just because it was uh, at Skilled. Um, they're not a bottom four team, you know, Geelong. Absolutely tore them a new one, and and, and uh, I think that if you're if anybody's underestimating Geelong on Friday night, then they're going to be in for a fairly rude shock, I suspect. Yeah, but the, well, uh, and there's, uh, a, there's a there's a saying in America: you are what your record says you are, and they're six and one. Yeah, very true. 
Yeah, and that is true. But they, they play two standards of football. They do one standard down at Skilled Stadium, or whatever it's called these days, and, uh, and when they're away from there, uh, they are they were more, much more vulnerable. I mean, uh, they didn't look like a good team against the Giants one little bit. And I know the Giants, I think, are going to be a very good side. But And I'm not trying to underestimate Geelong here, uh, but uh, I do think that they are probably about a five, eight goal, somewhere between a five and eight goal team worse away from Skilled Stadium. That's a big call, Macca. I, I, think, I think they're worse. I'm not sure if five to eight, but... Um... I actually haven't seen a lot of Geelong live this year. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about our ability to win the ball at the contest. Selwood and Dangerfield are two of the best extractors in the competition. For those of you who've actually seen more of Geelong live, how do you think we're going to stack up in the midfield? Are we going to win enough of the footy? It's, um, it's a big question, isn't it? I think unless, you know, once again, we're back, really, we're back to relying on Tomo. And, and, and this is why I'm putting the asset on Brad Crouch. Unless we can get Douglas. some people to, oh, Douglas is, you know, he was rubbish last week. And, um, yeah, he's got to lift his game. He hasn't been, you know, he's only been, he really, he's, for, for a senior player, he's only been average all year, let's be honest. Um, in terms of actually, you know, at the contest, as big fellas suggesting and, and, and extracting the ball and matching it with, you know, Selwood and Dangerfield, really, I think that we've only got two players capable of that. Um, uh, and that is uh, Tomo and, and probably Brad Crouch, to a lesser extent, Matt Crouch, who, had, you know, I know he's been good, but I don't think he's necessarily going to go with the other two. And unless unless really those three guys really, really extract the digit, um, then I think that, um, that that we'll end up, you know, being in that position that we seem to be each and every week, and that is, you know, a, a 70 inside 50 count and hoping that we can, um, just hoping that we can score. I, I think if we're going to, I mean, I don't think Tomo, Tomo and either of the Crouch brothers versus Danger and Selwood's going to get it done. I think we need guys like Sloaney and Dougie to get in there and do their bit. And I think, I mean, Phoenix gave uh, Dougie a bit of a baking on, on Sunday night for nine touches, and I think I think that's very fair. For a senior guy, Dougie needs to be getting, you know, 18-plus a game minimum. Uh, but ideally, I think if we're going to win Friday night, uh, he and... Um, should have forgot the other one I meant, just mentioned. Sloan. Sloan, yeah, Dougie, is, Dougie and Sloan are going to get both have 20-plus games. Can't argue with that. No, you're 100% right there. It needs a complete thing in the midfield. The other thing I, I think it should be mentioned is I don't like our midfield structures at the moment because we've got uh, Source going up there and barely getting off the ground. But uh, there's three there's three of us and we're all diving in for the ball and nobody on the outside. And if they get the ball and half get the ball, they just, they just scramble it to the outside and take it away. That's interesting because we were actually quite good at that at the start of the year. I was actually watching the midfield placement. We weren't getting sucked into the contest. Um, we were staying out and keeping our structure. So obviously by the sounds of that, our structure broke down against the Bulldogs. Broke down badly. Yeah, really badly. If you look back at the replay, you'll find that there's three of us in there most of the time and nobody on the outside and that's where we got caught. I deleted it Sunday morning. Yes, so have I now. <laughs> that's, that's piss poor, Nikki. If you don't mind me saying. Just moving away sorry, from midfield for a second. My sister's birthday. I'm just moving away from the midfield for a second. Just wanting to talk about Mitch McGovern. Does anybody see Mitch as being a little bit at risk of uh, a, a potential omission? Just in, I know that it was suggested no. today, and whether uh, uh, I mean Geelong go with quite. They've got, I think, the tallest defence league, and they will match up well 
um, on um, on our offence as it is. And um, uh, is it time that he has a rest? No. No, I think so. I, I, I'd be I'd be getting to slam tackle uh, danger a few times if anything. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think he's getting close. He's got to do a little bit more than he's done in the last couple of weeks. Well, when I've been watching the games here, Macca, he's been getting into some really good positions. It's just his teammates haven't been using him. I think yeah. it's it's getting that that sort of them their knowledge with him to do that. Maybe that's because he misses set shots from ten meters out, Nikki. Do you think? Um, it, for me, it's he's he's kind of playing that Lynch role a little bit as well. Um, so sometimes it's he's done some really nice leads up the middle, and we know he's a contested grab, um, and I think he should be used a little bit more there. But he runs so hard back; he's actually quite fit. Even though talking about dropping him and resting him, etc. Yes, this is a step up from SRL. He has played um, Waffle. He's older. He's just that little bit older as well. So I think of the case of where you might rest a younger one, he's possibly one that won't need a rest like that. Well, I, wouldn't, mm. I, I wouldn't do it for resting him. I'd do it to let him know that he's got he's to get Work a bit more. harder. Yeah, you've got to get more of the ball. I mean, that's what it's all about. And also, when you have a shot for goal, you've got to kick the damn thing. Yeah, look, I, like everybody, I love what he brings. I think he's a, a great future with us. But just at the moment, um, I just feel like he's tailing off a little bit. But uh, that that could just be me. Okay, um, we think we're all coming okay. Anybody think the changes will occur? That's a definite yeah. That again, Dennis. McKay's a definite out. Yeah, yeah. We, we've got we've got Miller in for McKay. What, any any other changes? We think. I don't know. The Miller will be guy to come in for McKay because um, um, McKay was getting about eighteen twenty possessions. You know, he was he was in the last few weeks he's been played some very good football, and uh, Miller is not hey, capable is, is, of getting is he that. Injured, yeah, he well, he's got his, he's got a slight strain, and I, I don't think he will play. Um, but Miller, Miller won't get you eighty to twenty possessions. Who, who, who are we bringing in? I mean, I think we're all kind of a bit quiet when Pete asked the question because we kind of at most of the, I guess the the guessing around this year, we've all been pretty happy and and pretty um, okay with the direction the club's been taking with selection. But now we've had a couple of losses, and, and some of the guys are maybe a bit sore and a bit injured. Um, and some of the form of maybe some of the less experienced players is starting to get in question. I think we're all a bit unsure about about who comes in. I haven't seen much SMFL footy this year, so I don't really know who's who's ready to come in. So if we're talking about not Miller and we're talking about maybe dropping other players, who are those guys in SMFL who are right on the cusp of coming in? I, think I, I mentioned um, I mentioned Miller because he was the he was the one player that was actually pulled from the SNFL team completely. So. Um, and that was an instant response to Saturday evening. So that just suggests to me that he's first in line because they didn't didn't want to play him at all in the SNFL. Then the next level down, you've got Lyons and Van Berlo who only played half a game. So they would be the next two. Um, so if you're thinking, I, I, I know exactly what you're thinking, Macca, that Miller may not necessarily be a like-for-like for McKay. So you, you might get, say, Jared Lyons to come in for McKay, uh, given that McKay has been playing around the test a bit. So Lyons would make 
possibly make sense there. That leaves Miller and you know, potentially Miller from a gun, possibly. How are guys like Regan Yolman performing at the moment? Oh, yeah, no. And both of Have McKay in to get that extra bit of speed. That's making our midfield slow again. So as much as I would love Lyons back in the team because I think he's quality, I can't see him coming in for McKay. I think it is going to be somebody with a bit of speed. Only leaves Miller because he's only one with the speed, but he won't get you 20 yeah. possessions, uh, uh, Nikki. No, but he'll give you some very quality ones. That's true. Can't argue with that. What about Hendo up to wing? We bring someone back into defence. Oh, God, Hendo. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Hendo because I wanted to give him a bit of a roast. I, I really was very. <laughs> I, All right, I, I really, come on. I was really disappointed with his. I don't know, I don't know what other people thought, but I thought that he doesn't go in hard with the ball. And I thought some of his kicking was absolutely flawless. Yeah, it was a theme was of tonight, not... though. There was a, there was was a not... lot of people who, who had terrible kicking. Yeah, I, and I know that, but this guy has got a good kick on him. And I just thought that... Um, I didn't think he was overly courageous, did he? That's what I thought. That's no what surprise to anyone, the Macca. That's the that's the worst aspect of his game. It always has been, has been, always will be. It's whether his other elements are good enough. So maybe getting him out of defence from a courage point of view exposes him less, but we can actually use his speed and kicking on a wing. Well, Macca, if you know anything about me, you'll know that you certainly won't get any arguments on the Hendo front. I reckon in 80-odd games he's played for our side, I reckon he might have played eight or nine decent games. I just... To me, I just have him in the same basket as McKay and Van Berlo and, and, and Billy even in, in them. I, I, I can't see traction. I can't see what people, you know, what's, what they see in him. But obviously, they see something because they select him. But uh, really, I think that, you know, surely we've moved on from Hendo. He's got, t- he's got talent, but he hasn't got a lot of courage. The Westies game. That first one, he actually was this completely different player. He was going in hard. Um, He had that run. He was using his beautiful kick. It was fabulous. And then he got a hard hit. And he went back to the Hendo that we've seen for years. So for that first, you know, two quarters, it was just amazing to watch going, who is, we've got this brand new player. Great. This is everything that we thought Henderson could be, and he's finally showing it. Since he got that hit, and every time I've seen him in the SNFL this year, he's gone back to being the Hendo that we knew. And I was not happy. I mean, the team, they, they would pick him, but I would actually would much rather preferred VB, even though I know the AFL game's gone past him at least we were going to get some defence from VB. It's a little bit contentious because um, VB, look, he's got uh, more courage than anybody else on the side. There's no question about courage with VB. And even when he was getting dropped, I thought he was going in harder for the ball than anybody else in the team. He just wasn't getting the bloody ball. No. And he can't turn. Look, I think with that, unfortunately for him, that when that sled hit him in that, that time and cut his Achilles... <laughs> And I reckon that, you know, whatever pace he had, which wasn't the greatest, but whatever pace he had, it's taken the edge off of him. Yeah, so he's very good in the SNFL. 
he's so, he's a class above there, but he can't make it in the AFL anymore. But from what I'd seen of Hendo, particularly against the South game, I was not happy. I thought that's the way the club was going to go because we we're playing the Bulldogs and they need some speed. But by the sounds of it, Hendo was being Hendo. So, so Hendo won't get Hendo won't get dropped this week, right? No one, no. No one thinks right. So who who's no. coming in and who's going out? So so McKay's out. Uh, some people think Miller might be in. Uh, are Grigg and Yolman ready to go if we actually want to throw the side around a bit more, or is that the only change we're likely to see? I think there'll be minimal change. I think okay. it'll be probably just the one. Yeah, yeah I agree with Nicky. There's two possibilities, isn't there? One's McKay, and, and McGovern could possibly be a little bit under review, but, but he may well hold his spot. Um, but uh, I think that... You know, we're really talking about um, a question of whether we bring in Lyons, who is a good, honest, trusty servant, and we know will at least uh, give a good game, or whether we bring in Miller, who will give us a lot of dash, but maybe not as much of the ball. So that'll be up to the selectors to make that decision. All right, folks, we're uh, getting a little bit up against the clock. Um, back to my around to, ev- to everybody, and um, I'm going to ask for your for your tip for uh, for Friday night. Macker, what do you think? Uh, look, I'll go. I'll go Adelaide with my fingers crossed and say maybe Adelaide by five and big points. Fella. Adelaide, mate. I think we'll win enough footy. Tomo will fire up and uh, we'll have a good game. American Crow, what do you think over there? I agree. I think we're going to jump on them early, and I think we're going to actually run out. Nikki, I reckon us by twenty-seven. Whoa, that's confident, Denos. Yeah, I'm going to be the devil's advocate. Sorry, but I just can't. I, I've gone back to my old ways. I go back to Canberra. <laughs> go back to the cold. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I tell you how I see this game, and in, in the same way that I see that you can look at the fixture and you can rule a line through three games: uh, Bulldogs, the Cats, and the Eagles all away. I, I think that there's also on the other side of the, of the ledger there's a, uh, there's a there's a a game you can always look at. And that's Geelong at home. And I think if you go back, even when we haven't been playing great football, um, we've managed to sneak across the line against the Cats at home. Um, I can remember back in the Amy Stadium days that we always seem to manage to get across the line. Um, and so uh, I, I think that um, with, uh, with not a great amount of confidence, but I think that we might just get the job done on Friday night. It's been a fantastic night tonight on Tuesday night. Live. Um, and uh, I just want to thank... All of you guys, it's been a bit of a cast of thousands, but I think uh, we've all managed it pretty well to all get our points across and not cut across each other too much. So I hope you've enjoyed it out there. Macca, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, happy to come, I'm happy to can, come again. Can we get a Danny Kylie from Macca? <laughs> <laughs> who, do you, who do you choose, Macca? <laughs> what was the question? If you, you had to pick one of my notes. or Danny Minogue. There you go. Oh, shit. Um, um... <laughs> Neither, probably. But, uh, if I have to take one, or oh, Kylie's got plenty of experience. It's all right, Mrs. Macca's not listening. <laughs> I like it. He's gone for experience. <laughs> well played, Macca. Only nice, because she's older. Big fellow, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Always a pleasure, Pete. And American Crow over there, um, we really appreciate you taking time and getting. I know you've got to toddle off to work now, but. Uh, we really appreciate your contributions from over there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Nikki and Danoz, as always, great to have you on board and thanks for your insights. You're welcome. No problems. 
And last but certainly not least is our technical guru, Phoenix, uh, sitting in the background with a glass of red wine this evening, just uh, managing to hold it all together. Fiend, thanks very much, mate. All right, mate, I can stop pedalling now. Stop pedalling. All right, thanks very much for listening every Tuesday Night Live. It's been uh, great to have you with us. And don't forget, we've got uh, the Thursday Night Crowcast uh, to preview the game on Friday night with uh, Scorpus, and then there'll be the review on Sunday night. And don't forget to join us again next week for Tuesday Night Live on the Crowcast. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye, folks. Oh, shit, I've got to play the music. AC, go Spurs. Play the music. Shit. That's it. Thanks, everyone. Much appreciated. All right. And thanks, everybody, for having me. And uh, I really enjoyed myself. Good on you, Maka. (laughs) It was good having you, Maka. Thank you. I I hope I get invited again one day. Yeah, no, you can be a regular mate anytime. That was good. Sunday nights, Phoenix is looking for people, mate. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Actually, me and Maka would go well. Are you free on Sunday nights, Maka? We are the two fucking old guys in the Muppets up in the... Hey! Up in the... You're in my house. I know I'm in your house. What time were you you on on Sunday night? Uh, 7 o'clock. Oh, that's all right. That doesn't uh, clash with the blacklist. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, Phoenix. Yeah. It still says live. Oh shit! Does it? Hey, mate, with with you know with. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think, I think not being actively 